Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Welcome to Community of Hope. Welcome to everybody who's streaming online. If you're new with us, we have a lot of new people coming to check out our church, especially at the beginning of the school year. If you're new, I'm Trevor, one of the pastors here. And whether you're here in person or online, it's a pleasure and a total treat to have you here and worship here with us today. So we're glad you're here. We're going to be launching a new series today that we're calling Find Your People. Everyone say that with me. Find Your People. We're talking about finding deep community, especially in a lonely world. This is super important. We really deeply, deeply believe in this in our church, so much so that in our uh, mission statement, our core values that we have, it's one of the absolute core things that we believe to our bones in our church. It's core value number four. And we say that at Community of Hope, we believe that big faith is grown in small groups. We think it's actually a theological impossibility to be able to grow faith on your own, and to do your own thing as a lone ranger trying to follow Jesus. It's impossible. The best thing, we think the way God designed relationship with him to grow is actually best with other people. And the way we do that is to try to do it through small groups. We say that you want to grow your faith, get out of a row, get into a circle. Rows are good, like how we're doing right here. Maybe you're streaming online, but it's better to get into a circle, a smaller group of people to grow faith. Not where everybody's looking here at one guy with a microphone on, but to be better look at each other in a circle around God's word. That's where faith really comes alive, really grows, really goes to take a next step. This is really important because we feel like this is slid in our society, in our culture, and even a little bit in our church with everything we went through with the pandemic. In 2020, even at the beginning stages of COVID, where I was trying to figure everything out, uh, we went into lockdowns and we went into distance community. Now, in Florida, we responded a little differently than the rest of the nation around COVID, Right. Um, but still, regardless how you responded to COVID, whether you were really um, uh, trying, you were withdrawn, you were careful with COVID, or whether you're fully open with COVID, it doesn't matter. We all, as a society, got used to doing relationships a little bit at a distance, and not even physically. I also mean relationally and emotionally. We learned to do it through pixels, through tools like that, and we have not learned how to really re-engage with community in a face-to-face type of way where we do relationships at a distance. So here's what we really think in this series. We tell people to find your people. We have to learn how to redo community in a new way now that we're in post-pandemic world. We're doubling down on this value. In our church, we used to talk about this every single August, Year after year after year, if you're a part of Community of Hope, you knew every August we were talking about the value of deep community. Y'all, this is the first time we've done this since 2019. We're doubling down on it because now we can. Remember this time last year, we thought it's over and then Delta came and right on through, burned through our community. And so you know what? Here we are now. It's time to double down on the value of community. And this is what we're going to be talking about today and over the next several weeks. Uh, to start, I want to share with you, we want to do a little bit of, I, I finally like I'm doing this a lot lately, a little bit of Pastor Trevor show and tell. 
Now, um, one of the, I know, one of the things, everyone knows that I'm a nerd, I'm a dork, I know, you don't need to tell me, I know. Uh, one of the things that nerds do, the chief gift from one nerd to another nerd is when a nerd gives another nerd a sword. Those are cool. It's just cool. I just heard some of my nerd friends go, yes. And so I want to show you, um, I actually have several swords that have been gift, gifted to me, and I brought them today to show you guys. Is that cool? All right, cool. All right, so I'm going to show you the first sword that I was given, and this was from my older brother Graham for Christmas one year. Now look at how cool this is. Ooh, all the nerds went, oh my gosh, it's so awesome, right? <laughs> oh. Dale comes back tomorrow, and I'm getting fired, so it's okay, all right. All right, so this is a cool sword. My brother got it. has this cool kind of dragon thing around, around the handle of the sword. Uh, so yeah, ooh, cool. Yeah, cool katana cup of sword. Now, don't worry. None of these are sharp. They're all just for show. I did have a friend. Don't boo me. <laughs> Jesus is watching. He's going to judge you, man. Shoot. So none of these are sharp, but I did. I have a friend offered to me last night when I told him what I was doing. He said, I have one at home that's razor sharp. Do you want to bring it? I'm pretty sure I would accidentally bleed out on stage if I did that. <laughs> so we're not doing that. So this is cool here. I really love this one. I've had this for a um, long time. Um, that's from my brother Graham. So that's the first sword I was given. Um, I have another one here. Any Lord of the Rings fans in the house? <laughs> All right, cool. So this is from uh, the sword uh, from the Return of the King. And it has, it's the one where it's been reformed back together and has the, car, the carvings and the inscription down the middle of the sword. So this is cool. Now, somebody gave me this. It was a prayer team that I was a part of at Florida State. So this is cool because it's from Lord of the Rings. It also has spiritual significance to me. So if you've ever been in my office, um, this is actually hanging up on the wall in my office because it means something to me. And it's just cool. And don't get mad at me. I have a sword on the wall. So anyway, it couldn't even cut butter. Don't worry. And so, so there's that one. And then I have another one here that my friend Patrick gave me. And uh, this is super cool here. This is a Scottish Claymore. So this is uh, longer and bigger. And so all the real nerds in the room will know what this is from. Zimmer, wrong, wrong, Braveheart, you are incorrect. So this is from the movie and the TV series Highlander. Oh, now, close. Now, the reason this is cool is because um, I'm Scottish. People have, know, have heard me talk about this. I have a Scottish heritage and lineage. Um, if you have a Scottish lineage, you have no heroes. There are no Scottish superheroes at all. There's not. Your only heroes are Braveheart and Highlander. That's it. And that and Haggis. That's all we've got, okay? <laughs> and so this is cool. My friend Patrick gave me this, and this is fun. Now, um, the reason I'm showing you guys all these swords today... Uh, the noise you hear is the rain. Yeah. Uh, the reason I'm sharing all these swords here today um, is because the Bible actually talks about that you are a blade. You are a blade. This is you. Now, the quality of the blade that you are is dependent on your community. And we're going to look at the verse that talks about that here today. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and grab it or the COH notes. And I didn't drop any of them. Yes. Don't clap for that. The bar's way too low here, okay? Um, the verse we're going to be looking at today 
comes from the book of Proverbs. It's right in the middle of the Bible, Proverbs chapter 27. So open up Bible app on your phone or at CUH app and sermon notes. Go ahead and grab there or it's going to be on the screen here. And we're only going to read one verse. Usually read a whole passage of scripture, but today it's just one verse. It's Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17. In fact, let's read it all together if you see it on the screen. Ready? Go. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Awesome. Let's pray. Lord, just as it's raining outside right now in our community here in Loxahatchee live, um, and it's watering our land and giving life to everything, we pray that you would cause spiritual rain to fall now that would bring life and healing and vitality to every part of our lives. Lord, send the Holy Spirit that you said would be like a spring of living water welling up with inside each person who follows you. So as the rain is falling now, Lord, let it rain in here and with everybody who's streaming with us online on our souls. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. All right, so let's just talk about what we read for a moment. We just read from the book of Proverbs. Uh, We don't assume anybody automatically knows about the Bible in our church. In fact, a lot of people who come to our church have either never been to church before or it's been a long time since they've been to church. So we always kind of start basically, I'm like, here's what we read. Here's what's going on in the passage to give a little bit of context about it. So the book of Proverbs is written by a guy named King Solomon. King Solomon was the son of King David. Everybody knows about David and Goliath. Well, Solomon is his son who succeeded him as king. When he becomes king, God appears to him in dreams and says, I'll give you whatever you want. What do you want? And Solomon says, instead of asking for wealth or fame or honor or the death of my enemies, just help me be wise so I can be a good leader for the sake of your people. And God was so blown away by that prayer, he says, Okay, I'm going to make you the wisest person who ever lived, and I'm going to give you everything else too. And so King Solomon ended up writing almost the entirety of the book of Proverbs, which is just a gem of a book. It's 31 chapters in it. You would do well to read a chapter of Proverbs every single day to grow yourself in wisdom. And so we find ourselves here in verse 27. And so um, in Proverbs, it's part of wisdom literature in the Bible. There's a section where it's not just narrative, It's not just discourse, it's wisdom literature. It's almost like poetry. So it's Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Lamentations, right in the middle of the Bible. That's that genre of scripture. You don't read it as an entire narrative, but you read it in little chunks of little nuggets of wisdom just like this. So we're in Proverbs, we're in chapter 27, verse 17. We start here as iron sharpens iron. Let's talk about that just for a second here in this passage in wisdom literature. Whenever somebody was going to talk about iron in the Bible, everyone's ears would have perked up. Because iron in the ancient world, believe it or not, was the highest form of human technology. This period of human history, speaking um, uh, in an anthropology sense, in a human history sense, there was the Iron Age, there was the Bronze Age that preceded that, and then the Stone Age that preceded that. Iron was the height of human technology because it was the hardest metal known to humanity at the time. And so when I'm talking about the height of human technology, so I'm like, iron is human technology? Absolutely. In our world, when we think of the height of human technology, you think of semiconductors and machine learning and AI and whatever else. Well, at this time here, if your nation knew how to smith and molt 
iron, to make iron weapons and iron tools, you ruled the world. Another nerd discourse, if you watch any of the Marvel movies about Black Panther and the, the fictitious nation of Wakanda, they're powerful because of the fake metal. Does anybody know? Vibranium. The nerd section is clearly on this side of the room. My people, my people. Okay. Um, it's that same idea. They had access to the strongest metal in the world and made them the most powerful nation in the world. Anybody who had access to know how to make iron weapons and tools was the most powerful nation in the world. If you read the Old Testament in the beginning of 1 Samuel, the nation of Israel in its early formative years did not have the technology to smith iron. And so they had to take their tools and they had to take their weapons to a foreign nation for them to sharpen and form for them and to put them at a military and strategic disadvantage. So whenever anybody talks about iron, this is a big deal. And so it talks about iron sharpens iron. This is what Israel didn't know early on, but now they learned the secret of this because uh, blacksmiths carried this like military governmental secrets of how to form iron early on. And they found out the way that you smith iron, the only way to sharpen a piece of iron is with another piece of iron. What they would do is they would take a sword or weapon of some sort, and they would take a flat iron hammer, and that's what it took to flatten out the edge and the blade of a piece of iron. Now, a, a tool that you're using that has an edge that needs to be sharp is super helpful if it's sharp and incredibly frustrating if it's not sharp. So check this out in Ecclesiastes 10.10. This is another piece from wisdom literature here. Almost all the scriptures I'm going to be reading from today are from that genre to help teach you about wisdom literature. So this is Ecclesiastes 10.10. It says here, if the axe, so another tool, is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed. And then he goes on to say, but skill will bring success. It's using it as a metaphor for what's sharp and dull um, for how work is done. So if something is dull, it's edge unsharpened, more strength is needed. I.e., if you have a tool that's dull, it's frustrating and harder to do stuff. I have a bunch of Robolini trees in my yard. Does anybody have Robolinis? Yeah, love them and hate them all at the same time. They have these thorns that grow off their palm branches. And uh, I have um, a pair of um, pruning shears that I use. They're, I help to snip off the, the, the palms to help you know, just do maintenance and whatnot. Well, when they're sharp... You could clip off these branches, no problem. When they're dull, if they're unsharpened, it doesn't cut them. It just folds the branch in half. It stays on, and you have to tug on it, and you look like an idiot on a ladder in front of your house. It's a pain. This is what it's getting at here with this verse. It's talking about in particular, well, it's great if you have work ethic and if you're strong, but here, you need skill to bring success. So it's using the idea of what's sharp and what's dull as a metaphor around skill with work, not just work ethic. Let's back this up. So this is a metaphor used in scripture, which sharp and dull is used not only here with about work, it's also used around people. You as a person can be sharp or dull. So like, let's go back to the verse. So as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Now this verse is totally true, even if you're an unspiritual, irreligious person. Everybody can agree that people will make you better. That being around other people, being in relationship with other people will make you more emotionally intelligent. It will sharpen your ideas um, and, and um, not just your EQ, but your IQ. 
It will make you stronger, improve you, improve your ideas. But this here is also applied not just to general human relationships, but with the angle that the Bible takes is that people will sharpen you spiritually, not just relationally, not just emotionally, not just intellectually, spiritually. You can be sharp or you can be dull. Jesus picked up on this metaphor. In fact, he said it here in Matthew 15. Check this out. Somebody, um, he was trying to teach them about the kingdom of God. He was trying to teach them about deep principles about how to have a relationship with the Father. And it was going way, way, way over people's heads. They were completely missing it. And so Jesus' response of frustration is, are you still so dull spiritually? You can be spiritually sharp or you can be spiritually dull. Now, what makes the difference here? What's clear from our passage is iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. So what's the guiding principle that we want to give you in this series that we're going to be talking about all throughout August? And it's right here. More than anything else, more than any other single thing, it's our chosen community that forms us, that forms you, that shapes you, that sharpens you. More than any other single thing, it's the relationships they have chosen to put around you that will make you sharp or actually make you dull. Your community is going to form you for better or for worse. Here's another verse from Proverbs 27.6. Or, excuse me, 13.20. Walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion fool suffers harm. If your friends are wise, they're going to sharpen you and make you wise. If your friends are fools, well, life's going to be a lot harder for you. More than any other single thing, your community forms you for better or worse. They'll sharpen you or dull you, and not just relationally, emotionally, intellectually, spiritually, in your relationship with God. Now, when we're talking about community, we need to define this because, like I said, it's been 2019 since we've talked about some of this at length and at depth like we've normally done. Some of this value, I think, has slipped not only culturally, but even in our church. And so we want to be really clear. What do we mean when we talk about community? We mean this. Community, it's more than just friends at church. We would define community as intentional relationships around following Jesus. Intentional relationships around following Jesus, not just friends at church. Now, um, most people in America, if they end up at some church, sometimes they might not even make friends there. If you've been around any period of time, you've heard me talk about how when I was going to church growing up, I hated going to church. And now look at me, what happened, right? <laughs> if I believed in karma, it's like karma, but I don't believe it. Anyway, um, the church, mainly because the church we went to, I hated it, but I came to find out later on my parents also hated it too. And I found out as an adult that we went there for a year when we first moved to Florida. My parents dragged me and my brother kicking and screaming every day for a year going there. They volunteered. They're on the welcome team. My dad cut the yard almost every week trying to serve and get to know people. After a year of being there, guys, no one knew my mom and dad's name. Can you believe that? Now, no church is perfect. 
People make mistakes. I've forgotten names before. I hate that when that happens to me. That stuff happens. But most people, just to make friends at church is a victory in and of itself, and that's a huge win. But there's something deeper than just you have friends at church. We're talking about community. Oh, go back one. Community is the intentional relationships around following Jesus. See, the difference between just having a really deep friendship that doesn't, isn't spiritual in nature and having deep, rich community is that when you put Jesus at the center of a group of friends, special things happen in those friendships that won't happen otherwise. And the type of friendships you have where Jesus at the center has the power of God flowing through those relationships when we do it right. There's nothing like deep, deep Christian community. There's nothing like it because God's in the middle of it. If you've yet to experience it, oh my goodness, do I have good news for you. Today and all throughout this series, you're going to want to lean in. Now, the difference between community and friends at church, really, I think, a base level involves three things. You know you're entering into deep community when you have a circle of people, one, who you discuss the Bible with together. You're not just friends, but you're talking about what you're learning from the scriptures and what you're learning about God together. This is good, and uh, a lot of guys do well with this, but guys, we kind of stop here. Guys are way more comfortable talking about ideas than talking about themselves. And so this is a good starting place, but then it's got to go a little bit deeper. Do you have people who you discuss the Bible with together? Do you have people who will pray for and with you or who you will pray for and with someone else? And then here's the last mark of a good spiritual deep relationship for community. It's people who I can share my successes and my struggles with. Where you're vulnerable. You share what's going great, what's not going great. Where I'm winning in my relationship with Jesus and where I'm struggling. And where I may even be struggling with sin in my life. Where I could share it with other people and invite the grace of God into who pray with me and hold me accountable and encourage me and all sorts of those things. These are the type of relationships we're going for. It's deeper. I just have friends at church. My community is at church. It's different. It's different. Um, we just a few weeks ago, about a month now finally hired our brand new director of student ministries, TJ. Everybody love TJ? Isn't he awesome? Yeah, he's great. So he was here in the first service, and we put that kid, he's not a kid, he's like a father, he is, he's a father. We put him through the ringer, through all sorts of stuff in his interview. I mean, it was the longest interview process ever because we we're really, really careful. And um, in his, uh, he, we had him preach at student ministry as kind of the last part of his interview. And he talked about community. And TJ shared two ways how community forms us, like we're talking about. It was so good, I asked him permission if I could just steal what he said from student ministry and share it with you all. So here's what TJ shared with us. Community, more than any other single thing, will form you. Your intentional relationships around following Jesus will form you, shape you, sharpen you through two particular ways in particular. First, your community will encourage you. And everybody needs encouragement because newsflash, did you know, life is hard. And you're going to need people. Another piece from wisdom literature, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, starting verse 9. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. 
If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they can keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Translation, life is hard, so you're going to need people to lean on. And there are people who need to lean on you. Now, this made me think about something. I want to invite Keith back up on stage. Welcome, Keith. Yeah. So this made me think about a famous song, Everybody Knows. Um, and thank God I'm not going to sing it, because if I started singing it, we would have cats screeching outside the sanctuary, and it would be terrible. So Keith is going to sing to us real quickly, Lean On Me, the classic song. Everybody know Lean On Me? All right. Feel free to sing along with Keith if you know. Go ahead, Keith. Lean on me. When you're not strong, now be your friend. I'll help you carry on for it won't be long till I'm gonna need somebody to lean on. That guy. That guy. It's not fair how talented you are. <laughs> hey, so uh, pause. We love you. We love your vocal gifts, but thank you for leading us in worship of Jesus every single week. We honor you. We honor you. Yeah. Life is hard. You're going to need people to lean on. Do you have them? Do you have people to lean on? Uh, let me share with you some of the people in my life. Um, I shared a couple weeks ago about two of my lifelong best friends, uh, Brett and Jeff. I, let me share about another friend that I have who's been my friend for, gosh, over a decade now, which is crazy. Um, this is a friend of mine named Aaron, and uh, we were next door neighbors in seminary together. This is a picture of us getting some ice cream. We're on a, a trip somewhere together. And uh, we became neighbors when I was at seminary. If you don't know what seminary is, it's like school for people wanting to learn how to become pastors. And so we were living in our neighborhood, and he and his wife, Renee, uh, moved in next door to us, and they had been married a week, y'all. And so Leah and I were about to head on out and go somewhere while they were finishing moving in, and so we quickly grabbed a Nestle Toll House break-and-bake cookie kit and quickly baked up some chocolate chip cookies, put it on a paper plate, put some tinfoil on it, left a note, said, welcome to the neighborhood, your neighbors, the Johnstons put it at their front door, we left and went somewhere. And that was the beginning of a beautiful friendship that we've had with him and his wife, Renee. Uh, We've been friends for a long time. Like I said, we're next door neighbors to each other. We went to class together, did, we worked out together. We did extracurricular stuff together. We were involved in prayer ministry stuff together. He's a dear friend of mine. Uh, We not only got to live next to each other, we also got to graduate with each other. So this is our graduation day. This is me and Aaron and our mentor, Dr. Bob Stamps, who's um, just half crazy and awesome. And uh, so at graduation, like his last name starts with a D, my starts with a J. There's lots of people who are graduating, so we weren't right next to each other in alphabetical order. But by chance, the way they lined everybody up to process in to graduation, we actually got to be neighbors even in the lineup, just like that, <laughs> next to each other. So we were neighbors in seminary, neighbors in graduation too. Um, he's not only like a spiritual friend of mine, he's a huge goober and a huge nerd just like me. For my 30th birthday, my wife Leah threw me a phenomenal, awesome surprise WWE birthday party. 
And all my friends dressed up as wrestlers. And the person who went all out was Aaron. This is him on my birthday party. Look at that. The macho man. Oh, yeah. So I love that. So get for the love. Get that off the screen. <laughs> and so um, my friend Aaron, uh, we've been really good friends for a long time. And we've been friends even since seminary, both being pastors. And being a pastor is a wonderful calling and a wonderful gift, and it's a wonderful job, and it's not without its challenges. Um, there's lots of highs and lots of lows. And one day in the morning, you could be on a mountaintop with somebody who's having experiencing the greatest moment of their life with God. And in the afternoon, you could be in a dark pit with somebody on the worst day of their lives. It's everything all at once. And sometimes it takes a toll. And I'm not here to complaining about it. I love what I do. I'm called to it. Sometimes it's not easy. Did you know pastors work more than Sunday morning? Did you know that? <laughs> um, it's not easy. And so when he's gone through stuff with, uh, with his ministry, with his marriage, with his family, with his kids, he's leaned on me. And I leaned on him. In fact, he has this special thing. I don't know how he does it. My wife is laughing. He, um, on my really, really bad days, he has a knack of just calling me without knowing what's going on. And my first year at Community Help, I was having a really bad day. I was defeated and demoralized and discouraged. And I remember I closed the door to my office. I sat down at my desk. I put my head on my desk. And I was thinking to myself, what have I gotten myself into? And the phone rang. And it was Aaron. He's like, how are you? He calls me Sheriff. That's my nickname. How are you, Sheriff? I'm like, well, pretty bad. Pretty bad. And he prayed for me. And made it a little better. You need community to encourage you. Um, I have friendships outside of here, and I have a lot of friendships here. We've been part of groups for a long time here. We've formed deep friendships here that are a community that encourages us. I have one friend when he hears I'm having a rough day, I'll magically find a pack of Oreos on my desk, and I know who it's from. Um, I have another friend, when, uh, because he knows, and we've been in community together. Every time we see each other, it's not like, hey man, how's it going? He looks at me and goes, you all right? Because he's really asking, because he knows as a pastor, I'm asking everybody else how they are, but not a whole lot of people ask me how I am. So he's one of the people who does. Deep community will encourage you. Do you have these people yet? Deep community will not only encourage you. Here's the other thing that TJ said to our students that I thought was profound that I wanted to share with you all. Community encourages us. Community also exposes us. It will expose you. Sometimes you need to be sharpened because you need strength when life is hard. And sometimes you need somebody to take the rough edges off of you. Proverbs, check this out. It says here, 27.6, wounds from a friend. Wounds from a friend? What? Look at this. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Your true friends will tell you the truth about you, even if it hurts. Our culture is sick 
with the absolute opposite of this idea right now. The height of friendship in our culture is you do you. You be your real self. You're, um, man, it's a free country. Do whatever you want. Make yourself happy. Girl, you're a goddess. You go you. You go you. And to disagree with somebody means they hate me. No, when somebody disagrees with you in love, it's because they're your real friend. And we need this now more than ever. Your true friends will tell you the truth about you, even if it hurts. If somebody never tells you the truth about yourself, but always and only tells you how awesome you are, you need to be weary of that relationship because they might be your actual enemy. Your true friends will tell you the truth about yourself. Another story. I have another friend of mine who's in close community with me here. And we were at a dinner party about a year and a half ago or so. And this friend of mine... Um, or we were having this conversation dinner party like anybody does when you're having dinner with a group of people. And you know how like over the past two years, you could throw a dart at any day on the calendar over the past 700 days and there's something controversial happening in the news? Well, something got controversial I brought up and I gave a hot take about it. And I was just spouting off what I thought about it and whatever. The next day, this friend of mine texted me and said something along these lines. Hey, Listen, because we're close friends, I just felt like I needed to tell you I was disappointed with how you handled that conversation last night. And it's not because he disagreed with me on the issue. It's because he cared about me enough to tell me the truth. He said, in his text, it's not, I'm mad at you because you disagree with me. It's, I'm disappointed how you handle that. You have a platform. People listen to you when you speak you need to be way more careful, especially with these hot issues. A wound from a friend can be trusted. He didn't go talk about other people, didn't go gossip about it with other people, didn't post about it online. He came to me and told me a hard thing I needed to hear about me. And God gave me grace in that moment to go, dude, I'm not even mad. This means a lot to me that you care about me enough to call me out. Do you have friends who will love you enough to expose you and the rough edges of your life when you need it. Here's a verse from the New Testament. Galatians 6.1 says this. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Don't be a jerk for Jesus. Restore that person gently, but watch for yourselves or you also may be tempted. Be gentle, be humble when calling somebody else out who you care about because you're going to need somebody to call you out tomorrow and do it in the way that you'd want to receive it. But true friends will expose you. Real community. These intentional relationships around following Jesus will point out the areas where you're tripping over things in your walk with Jesus, how you're loving God and how you're loving people. Do you have people who will expose you because they love you? So what's the takeaway for all this? Do you have these people in your life? If you don't, here's what you need to do. Find your people. Find your community that will form you, that will shape you, that will sharpen you, that will encourage you, that will expose you. Find your people. If you don't have them yet, go to group link. It's the most spiritual thing you could possibly do is today to sign up for that. 
And if you do have those people, but it's gotten loose through COVID and loose through the summer, double down with community. Go for more than friendship. Go for deep relationships with Jesus at the middle, with his life flowing through all of you. Amen? Amen. Go in God's peace, my friends. We'll see you next week.